May God speak to you through today's message from Senior Pastor Mike McGowan. Good morning and welcome to Parkway Fellowship. Really glad that you're here today. I also want to welcome those of you that are joining us by live video feed and on the internet. Uh, today, we're in part two of our message series, More Than a Story. And in this series, we're looking at some of the most famous stories in the entire Bible. And today, we're looking at the story of Noah's Ark. Now, Noah's Ark is such a famous story that it's even told to little kids. Now, that's both good and bad. Um, and the downside is that because it's told to little kids, a lot of times we don't take it seriously because so often it's told just as a kid's story. For example, um, I brought with me, again, this little kid's Bible. Uh, we first looked at this last week. I want to read you the story of Noah's Ark out of this little kid's Bible. And since the, this is targeted to kids that are birthed through toddler age, it has little hand motions to go with it. So let's do the hand motions, you know, just so we can get the full effect. So it'll be fun. It goes like this. God told Noah to build a big boat called an ark. Noah used a hammer. So let's all use our hammer. Yeah, very nice. Okay. All the animals marched inside, monkeys and bunnies and cows. God shut the door. So clap your hands like you're shutting the door. Isn't this fun? It rained and rained, but Noah and all the animals were safe and dry. So wiggle your fingers like it's rain. Very good. God took care of Noah. God takes care of you too. The end. Now doesn't that make you just feel warm inside? Now, that story contains all of the elements, right? It's got all the major elements of the story right. But, you know, since it's, on a child, since it's on a child's level, we tend to treat it as a child's story, and we don't really take it seriously because we forget that it's a true story that happened to real people facing a real dilemma who saw a real God come through in a real way. Now, I remember when I was a little kid, my family, we saw a documentary called In Search of Noah's Ark. Now, this is the first time in my life that I can remember thinking that Noah's Ark might actually be a true story. You know, watch this documentary. Uh, I, I thought, you know what? Hey, if they find this ark, you know, parked on top of a mountain in Turkey, well, I mean, how much more evidence do you need than that, that it's real? Okay? And I... I don't really know what I thought was going to happen that, you know, that maybe they were going to get to the end of this documentary and they were going to find the ark, you know, in its entirety, perfectly intact and would, you know, soon be available for dinner cruises, you know, complete with animals. But that, uh, that didn't happen. They didn't find the ark. But look, just because they didn't find it doesn't mean that it didn't happen. In fact, archaeology has not, has not proved a single, has not disproved a single biblical story. Not one. It's never happened. Now, my focus today is not to discuss the, you know, historical accuracy of Noah and the ark, okay? Although, I do believe that it's a true story. No, but if you don't, or, you know, if you have doubts, like, that's okay, okay? We can still be friends. It's all right. The point of today is to help us to see that Noah's ark isn't just a story, okay? It's more than a story. 
And the underlying theme of Noah's Ark is my faithfulness to God. That's the underlying lesson. That's the underlying theme. And uh, we need to understand that Noah was faithful to God in the short term and he was faithful to God in the long term. His commitment to God did not waver even in the midst of difficulty. Okay? Now, isn't that the kind of person that we all want to become? I mean, don't we want to become the kind of people that are faithful to God in the short term and in the long term, regardless of what difficulties we might face? I mean, don't we want to become people who are faithful to God, come what may, in the face of no matter what would happen, that God would look down and find us to be that kind of person, to be faithful to him. You know, and even if you're not a Christ follower yet, don't you want to become the kind of person that follows through on commitments and sees them through to the end? So, let's find out how to do all of that, how to become that kind of a person. So, find your connection card, and let's start by asking this question, okay? What can I learn from Noah's Ark to help me become more faithful? And to help us answer that question and to help us learn, our incredible stage team has come up with a pop-up book, and today's pop-up is Noah and the Ark. And it's in the details of this story that we find the lessons that help us learn how to apply this story to our lives. So, here's grown-up lesson number one. This is your first fill-in of the day. My long-term faithfulness to God is based on who He is, not on my situation. Now, just in case you're not familiar with the story of Noah's Ark, let me just briefly cover it for you. God looked down on the earth, and he saw that nobody believed in God, and all of them were bent on evil except for one guy, Noah. And so God decided that he was going to destroy the earth and start all over again. So he told Noah to build an enormous ark that so that he and his family could be saved, as well as a male and female of every animal. And he built the ark big enough so that it would hold the animals, his family, and food for, you know, everything in the ark. Then God caused it to rain for 40 days and 40 nights, and the earth was flooded. But Noah and the animals were saved. Now for most people, that's about as much as we know about Noah and the ark. But it's in the details of the story that we find so many key lessons that can help us learn how to follow God and how to become faithful to God over the long term in life. So I want you to look at what the Bible says, uh, beginning in Genesis, at the end of chapter 5, it's in verse 32, it says this, after Noah was 500 years old, okay, I want you to circle 500 years old. We're going to come back to that in just a minute. He became the father of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. This is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. 
Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you're to build it. The ark is to be 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. Noah was 600 years old. I want you to circle 600 years old when the floodwaters came on the earth. Okay, now, don't get hung up on the fact that the Bible says that Noah was 600 years old, okay? Look, this is early in the timeline of humanity, and God allowed people just to simply live longer at that point. But the point of of this that I want you to see is that Noah, like, it took him like 80 to 100 years to build this ark. You know, did he start when he was 500 years old and, you know, before his kids were born? Or, you know, did he wait 20 years to get, really get going so his kids could help him? You know, we don't really know. But one thing that we do know is that Noah worked on the ark for a long, long, long time. Now, ladies, can you imagine your husband committing to a do-it-yourself project that lasts like 100 years long? <laughs> Yeah, you got some compassion for Mrs. Noah, don't you? Yeah. And guys, look, whatever that you know, DIY project is that you're working on, okay, look, it's time to wrap it up. It's not like you're building an ark, okay? Come on. And I'm telling you, people of his day, they had to think that Noah was completely nuts. I mean, here he is. He's building a 450-foot boat in the backyard, okay? And it's stuff like this that led people to create HOAs. To prevent people from doing stuff like that, right? Okay. <laughs> now, seriously, think about this just for a moment. The people in Noah's day, I mean, they had to think he was crazy. Because, you know, here he was, you know, building this huge boat. I mean, they openly mocked him because he was the most ridiculous doomsday person they'd ever seen in their whole life, right? And I imagine that other kids made fun of Noah's kids all growing up. And can you imagine, can you imagine the financial drain, the physical drain that his sons, I'm sure at times, were like, seriously, Dad, come on, can we just stop this never-ending father-son project? And I imagine that Mrs. Noah, from time to time, was a little unhappy with how things were going. And can you imagine the, the, the internal struggle that Noah himself had? Because as far as we know, God didn't speak to Noah again until the ark was completed. So do, you, so do you think that Noah might have been struggling in his faith, you know, somewhere around like decade number six? Yeah. But here's the thing. Noah kept obeying God long term. Why? Because he knew who God was. He knew that he worshiped the God who had the, who had the power to flood the earth. He knew that this was a God who was powerful enough to call two of every kind of animal from all over the world to meet at just the right time. He knew that this was the God that could save him and his family from the impending flood. Noah knew who God was. And that's what helped Noah stay faithful to God over the long term, okay? So, what's the application? 
Because here's Noah. Remember, everybody else had abandoned God. Noah was the only one. So what's the application for us? Stay faithful, even in the face of discouragement, because of who God is. You and I, we need to stay faithful. You ever been discouraged in following God? Yeah, we all have. You know, and when you get discouraged, that's when it becomes easy to start negotiating what you really believe because you just want to do something to make the pain and the hurt and the difficulty stop. Because look, I mean, here's the thing. It's easy to follow God when everything's going well. It's easy to follow God, you know, when the kids are healthy and, you know, the marriage is good and there's money in the bank and the career is just moving up and to the right. It's easy to follow God. But when those things start going south, that's when our commitment to God really comes under fire. That's when it really comes under the test. And that's when people start to bail on God, which is ironic because that's the time when you really need to lean harder into God than ever before, right? And so when you get discouraged, what do you do? You begin to think about who God is. You gotta get in your mind a mental image of who God is and what he's capable of. That you worship the God who can who has the power to cause a worldwide flood. You worship a God who has the power to call animals from the four corners of the earth. You worship a God who has the power and ability to protect and save even in the midst of the greatest of calamities. Man, that's who you worship. And so when you face difficulty, you get in your mind that kind of power, that kind of majesty, that kind of uh, uh, image of how amazing and powerful God is, I'm telling you, at that point in time, you begin to realize that there is no situation that is, that is hopeless when it comes to God. And one of the key lessons of Noah's Ark is that if you are faithful to God over the long term, if you're faithful to him over the long term, then there will come a day when you will see everything in your life that God has started, it will eventually be completed. If you stay faithful, if you continue to follow him and do the things that God has asked you to do in your life, there will come a day when everything that God has started will finally be completed. And that's, that, that's not just a principle from this story. That's actually a principle that's traced throughout the Bible. I want you to look at what the Apostle Paul writes in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Here's what the Bible says. It says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So look, here's the thing. When you get discouraged, keep coming back to who God is, that he's kind, that he's loving, that he has a plan, that he's faithful, that he's good, that he's trustworthy, that he's worth any sacrifice, that he's worth every sacrifice. Look, that a hundred years from now, all of the things and troubles of this life are gonna be over. And a hundred thousand years from now, when we're looking back on this life from heaven, 
it will not matter what the details are of the, of the difficult situation that you face. It won't matter what the details are. What will matter is, were you faithful to God in the midst of that situation? That's what will be important. So we need to stay faithful to God over the long term. telling you, God loves you. Oh, he loves you. And I, and I know sometimes it feels like, you know, all there is is difficulty. Sometimes it, you, you can't feel God close to you. And look, and I, although I don't know the details of your circumstance or your situation, but there is one thing that I do know. I know God. And I know that he loves you. And I know that he cares for you. And if you will stay faithful to him, there will come a day when it will be finished and you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. So don't give up. Don't give up on following God. Don't give up. Okay, we've talked about following God long term. Let's talk for a moment about following God short term. Growing up lesson number two is this. My short-term faithfulness to God is seen through baptism. It's seen through baptism. Peter, same guy who walked on the water with Jesus, apparently one day he realized that you know, Noah's Ark really is more than just a story. He said he thought that this story also symbolized baptism because, you know, here's Noah and his family. They were in the water. God saved them, and then they came out of the water. You know, it kind of sounds like somebody being baptized. And so... Here is what Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 3, second half of verse 20. It says this. God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight and all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism. I want you to underline those four, four words. This water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God. I want you to line the rest of verse 21. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. Okay, now, here is where people mess this up, okay? I want you to think about Noah for just a second. Did the water save Noah? No. God saved Noah through the ark, okay? And in the very same way, the water of baptism doesn't save anyone. And what I mean by save, the Bible means by save, it means that you are saved from punishment for your sins by being punished in a place that the Bible calls hell and going through this life without God guiding you and helping you and being with you, okay? So the Bible says that God can save you from all that, and you're saved from that kind of eternal punishment if you trust in Christ, okay? So just as the water did not save Noah, neither does the water of baptism save you or me or anyone else, okay? Well, then what does save us? Well, Peter tells us in that second part that I, we, had, it, we underlined, it says, we're saved by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? 
Well, it's, it's kind of like what we covered last week on Easter, that <clears throat> it's the resurrection of Jesus that proves that his death on the cross actually provided forgiveness of sin. But he's like, anybody could claim that, they, that their death on a cross provides forgiveness for the sins of the world. But why would you believe that? Well, you wouldn't. Unless, of course, that person rose from the dead three days later. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Okay, now, I, I, I know that there's some of you that you know, have this little tension going on because you're thinking, hey, look, you know, Pastor Mike, it says right there in verse 21, you're like, after the first part I underlined, it says that this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Okay, sounds a lot like baptism actually does save a person. Well, that's why Peter clarifies what he means by saying that it's actually the resurrection of Jesus Christ that does the saving, okay? Look, the water doesn't save Noah, and it doesn't save you either. Faith in Christ does. Because, in, in, you need to understand, in the days of the New Testament, when someone became baptized, or I'm sorry, when someone became a Christ follower, they were almost always baptized immediately, right there on the spot, same day. Every now and then, they would go to the, to the next day, which is why, over time, salvation and baptism became so closely connected that it would be easy to get them confused. And so that's why Peter clarifies what he means. So, what is the application? What does this mean for you and me? Here it is. It means this. When I become a Christ follower, I should be baptized immediately. I should be baptized immediately. Now, in the New Testament, they were baptized immediately, usually like that day. The, there was no waiting. Because people in that day, they were not ashamed or afraid to show that they were committed to Christ. And so a lot of times you'd have an adult baptizing their son, or an older believer baptizing a younger believer, but sometimes you would even have a child baptizing their parents. But regardless, they got baptized immediately, right away. So listen, if you've become a Christ follower, and you've never been baptized by immersion, you need to do that immediately. Now look, you might, look, you might have been sprinkled as a baby, okay, but you need to understand, that wasn't your decision, that was your parents' decision that they made for you. And that baptism was really more about your parents making a commitment to raise you in a home that honored God so that you would hopefully choose to become a Christ follower yourself. So if you become a Christ follower, it's time for you to get baptized. Or maybe you've been putting off baptism for a while. If that's you, then it's time to be baptized. But I want you to take my word for it. I want you to hear from a guy in our church who waited a long time until he got baptized. But once he realized that's what God was asking him to do, that that was his short-term faithfulness to God was to be baptized, once he followed through and became baptized, it became a catalyst for his own personal spiritual growth in changing him and changing his family. So I want you to listen to what he has to say. My name is Bill Lewis. This is my wife, Laura. Uh, we have two kids, Mackenzie, she's 11, and uh, Maxwell, who's seven. And we moved here in 2008 from St. Louis so I could take a new job. 
We hadn't been going to church, or I hadn't been going to church probably since I got out of out of high school. She started attending the park, you know, trying, hey, do you want to go to church? I'm not going to push you, but, you know, you're more than welcome. I was working six days a week, and, you know, Sunday was kind of my day just to kind of unwind. So uh, back in the, the fall of 2012, I hit a rough patch, and I realized that I couldn't do things on my own anymore. So I finally said to Laura, you know, I'm thinking about coming to church. What do you think? And she goes, oh, that'd be great. One day I took the new Believer's Packet home with me and, and I listened to that, and that was pretty impactful. Uh, prayed the prayer um, for new believers. I uh, sat through the membership class. In the, the fall of 2013, I was flipping through the small groups pamphlet and uh, found one that really spoke to me. As I was progressing through all these, these steps from attending every week to joining small groups, and uh, um, I was challenged to, to start reading my Bible and, and praying more, I realized that, that the, the next step, act of obedience, was to get baptized. I mean, there was no real revelation, there was no burning bush. It was just something that I felt called to do. It was the, the next step in my progression um, towards spiritual maturity with Christ. So I spoke with my wife and uh, asked her if, if she would be so kind as to baptize me. Once Bill decided to be baptized, he was so excited. There was so much change that I don't think he even really noticed in himself, just more, um, less negativity and more joy in the way that he communicated with the children, in the way that he communicated with me and just others around us. Just wanted to, you know, work for Christ and uh, just be that light. Bill's awesome. He he uh, joined our team of small group leaders a handful of semesters ago, and it's just been so obvious to us that growing closer to Christ is the highest priority for him. Um, and we've seen that in his leadership and how passionate he is about leading other men to a closer relationship with Christ. And now Bill, you know, he's in like four small groups or something like that. He's like this small group overachiever because he just really cares deeply about growing closer to Christ. Now our kids have been baptized and they've all accepted Christ. We're just growing as a family in Christ, making um, church and small groups a, a priority in all four of our lives and just uh, seeing that Christ-centeredness and their obedience just as children has been amazing. So uh, as I've grown um, in, in my spiritual maturity, I'm, I found that I have a little bit more faith with my obedience. I don't necessarily know what, what lies ahead of me, but I know if I listen and I pray that uh, I get some pretty good answers. I don't have to figure it all, all out on my own. See, Bill realized that his short-term faithfulness to God meant that he needed to become baptized. And then once he did, that unlocked some long-term spiritual effects in his life that changed him and his family. Now look, 
I'm a big fan of immediate obedience. So I want to give you the chance to become obedient to God, okay? We've got a baptistry set up right down here in the corner of this room. And at the North Campus, there's a baptistry set up there as well. And we want to give you a chance to be baptized. So listen, if you've already become a Christ follower and you've never been baptized by immersion, then I want to give you a chance to do that this morning. Now look, this is for teenagers and for adults. For kids that are fifth grade and under, we have a class that they have to go through before they're baptized. Because look, we want to make sure that they understand. Now, we've had some kids that have completed that class and some of them might get baptized this morning. In fact, I, I hope that several of them do. But listen, here's the thing. If you're an adult or you're a teenager and you know for sure that you're a Christ follower and you've never been baptized by immersion, then I want you to do that this morning. In just a second, we're going to go through some next steps. But what we do, I'm going to give you a chance to follow through and be baptized. And at the North Campus, Pastor Adam's going to give you a chance to do that too. So, I want to give everybody a chance to become obedient to God, no matter what commitments you're making. So find your connection card, and let's all take some next steps to become more obedient to God, short-term and long-term. Perhaps it's for you, it's this first next step. I want to be baptized right here, right now. Okay, if that's you, here's what I want you to do. Listen, take, check that box, but take your connection card. We have volunteers that are waiting in the volunteer lounge. It's, it's on this side of the hall, either right out these doors. So you can go out here and just walk down the hall. Volunteers in that lounge, they have, a, they have clothes for you. We have t-shirts, we've got shorts, we've got a towel. We even have underwear for you, okay? Like, we've thought of it all, man. So listen, if you want to get baptized today, if you've never been baptized and you're ready to do that, look, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get up right now and go. Go ahead and get up. You can get up right now. Or sometime during the next, while I'm doing the next steps, or even during this next song, I want you to get up, head out to the volunteer lounge. People will give you clothes. We've got people that are going to be down here. They will be ready to baptize you. And if you're a couple, you want to baptize as a husband and wife, or father, son, or father, daughter, whatever, then there's room enough in this baptistry for two people to get baptized. You can get baptized as couples. So if that's you, Take, get up, take your connect shard, and go change clothes, and then come back in here, all the way down here to the front right away, so that you can be baptized. I mean, seriously, you can get up and go right now. Next, contact me about being baptized at an upcoming baptism. Next, number three, today I will pray the prayer to become a Christ follower for the very first time in my life. Because look, if you've never become a Christ follower, that's where you have to start. You've got to start by asking Jesus Christ to come into your life to forgive you. And once you do that then you're baptized. So if you've never done that, and you're going to pray that prayer this morning, awesome, I want you to pray that prayer, and as soon as you pray it, I want you to get up, go get some clothes, go change, and come down to be baptized. All right? Look, we had 232 people on Easter Sunday become Christ followers for the very first time in their lives. 232. That's amazing. So listen, if you're one of those then I want you to get up and go get baptized this morning, okay? Next, I'll memorize Galatians 6, 9. Let us not become weary in doing good, um, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Galatians 6, 9. It's a great verse. If you haven't memorized it, I, I encourage you to do so. Or this last one. This week, I will read the full account of Noah's Ark in Galatians chapter 6 through 9. 
That's you. Okay, and I realize I skipped next step number four. Okay, so sorry about that. So if next step number four is I commit to stay faithful to God even in the face of discouragement because of who God is. If that's you, check that next step. Okay? But anytime during this next song, if you want to be baptized, you get up and go. I'm going to pray for you, or I'm going to give you a chance to pray first, and then I'm going to pray for you. So everybody, bow your head, close your eyes. Let's... Father, I want to say thank you for those that are wanting to get baptized. And I ask that you would help us, God, to be the kind of people that would follow you with all of our heart. And so I ask that as we're silent here in these next moments, that you would help us offer our lives and hearts up to you right now. Father, I want to say thank you for those that have been brave enough to get up and to go get baptized. And for those that are still sitting here, you know, on the fence, I ask that they would just stand up and take that step of obedience just to be baptized right there, right now. And that you would help all of us, God, to stay faithful to you over the course of our lives because you're worthy of that kind of a commitment. Bring us back next week so that we can hear more and ask you to do this. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.